0: Patricia, will introduce for us. Yes. So our guest name is Benjamin um, E. Perez. F. Perez. Uh, Pronouns are he, his, him, él, Um, and our uh, Benjamin is the College Persistence Manager for KIPP through College, uh, working in an organization for four years and a half. Um, The founder and host of Find You uh, Purpose and of uh, Latinx Greek Life podcasts.
3: Yeah, yes, uh, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you very much uh, for the invitation. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, a couple of minutes ago, I posted on social media, hey, I'm gonna be on my first uh, podcast, but as a guest, because I did uh, announce that I was gonna do a podcast as well. So this is pretty exciting to uh, just be part of, of this this movement that y'all are doing and happy to be here. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for joining us. And Benjamin is a first-generation college graduate and now first-generation professional. He received his MA in Spanish from San Jose State University as well as his BA in Spanish and minors in Latin American studies and Mexican American studies from SJSU. Uh, he is also an alum from Hartnell College where he received his um, associates of arts in liberal arts. Uh, he was born and raised in Salad Bowl, Salinas, California and he is the son of Benjamin and Manuela Perez Uh, immigrants from Mexico. In college, he became a brother of Sigma Delta Alpha Fraternity Incorporated and a founder of Gente Unida, a Latinx student leader coalition. He has been adopted by the Bay Area and currently serves uh, students in their trajectory out of high school. He loves traveling, dancing, eating amazing food and watching movies and enjoys all of life with his wife, Isabel. Uh, He also is a cat dad of Simba. So welcome again. And uh, we all met uh, through Instagram uh, when Mehemi just reached out to us to join us in this episode. So thank you so much again for joining us.
3: No, thank you. Thank you. Like it, I would say it's been a month since I've been like fully like exploring what, who, who are the uh, people leading these type of conversations or this type of work on social media. And I found y'all, I found y'all like through like the various pages. And I was like, you know what, let's Let's send them a message to see what, what happens and what we can do together. So i um, happy to be here once again.
2: Yeah, and that's how you know, you expand your network, right? So thank you for sharing that, that experience with us and with our audience, because we, we encourage people to join us if there's a topic that they'd wanna discuss, share. You know, Our stories are very inspirational and there's always something to learn from each other.
0: Yeah, and now transitioning into our main uh segment, um, we're gonna ask um Benjamin, tell us about your background story and journey and especially about you know how did you find your purpose?
3: La pregunta del millón, no, siempre in en una entrevista or um is the easiest question I would say that I always ask my students, oh tell me who you are, like who is Juan? Who is Maria? And whenever I get asked that question, like in a job interview, I'm like, "Ah, uh, what do I say?" You know, give digo? Oh, uh, what? Like, what's what's exciting about me, not? So, I mean, we can start from a little bit from the beginning. Like you mentioned, yeah, I'm born and raised in Salinas, California, which is in Monterey County, uh, Central Coast. If you know Monterey, Santa Cruz, and Salinas is kind of like oh, the immigrant town away from the you know the the cities in the by the ocean. But yeah, born and raised there, and I have two brothers, uh, one older, one younger, and navigating the school system as, as the first, I guess, one for my parents entering the school system. My bro- my older brother, he was in Mexico. He was born in Mexico, so he wasn't part of my life or that experience in the beginning. So navigating the school system has definitely been a uh uh, a roller coaster, I would say, not just for me, but for my parents growing up, attending schools as a bilingual, in bilingual classes, uh, my parents put me in those classes because they wanted to know how to like be able to communicate with my parents, uh, I would sorry with my teachers and um, so growing, growing up, having that school of like Spanish and English definitely marked my education throughout high school, college, and until now. No, um, I recently posted something on social media stating a picture of me as a freshman in high school. Um, I guess someone from the yearbook thought, hey we're going to take a picture of a language class. And they like I was sitting in in the front of the class and the person took a picture of me and you can see me there and the quote says. Oh, the French culture, it was a French class, the French culture, this isn't that I mean so excited and thrilled to take this class and learn a new language. They didn't ask me for my opinion, but they just put that on there. And actually I took that class because I was told in middle school, hey, uh, Mexicans speak Spanish. So if you take a Spanish class, you are going to get in trouble by the who knows who. So I was really scared. I was like, oh, okay. So I I took French. Um, So what I'm saying is like throughout the education system, there's always been like these certain experiences, unknowns for us from our parents that we just are unaware and going into college, which will be the topic of today um that continues I would say like especially if you're first generation so my pathway in life academically has been like I said a roller coaster but I wouldn't change anything about it because now I get to do this type of work and try to support the students that are experiencing something similar or not right and just try to provide opportunities on my own perspective and to guide them to find their purpose right so me finding my purpose like I said Goes back to family, goes back to my academic experiences, and just reflecting, like, what's my purpose in this world now? And through my struggles, I'm like, you know what? I want to help those students not go through, hopefully, those struggles like I did.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see that, you know, I just recently helped a student, um, actually, two of them do their uh, graduate school, um, like statement of purpose. And both of them wanted to be, uh, to go into a school counseling. And a lot of the times it's like, we uh, go through these life experiences and think that this is pretty normal until you kind of realize like, once you're actually in a professional, you're, you're seeing that all of this stuff doesn't have to happen. You know, like all this stuff where you have to go through life making decisions without even knowing like why that person is asking you like, for your example, like, Why were they pushing or pressuring you to do French while you could have, there's, you know, an asset to also knowing your own language and being a heritage speaker Um, and the value of, you know, maybe you feeling that you could have had a community in your Spanish classes. Because honestly, in high school, for the most part, you don't really see yourself reflected in a lot of the curriculum. And oftentimes the courses in Spanish are the only times where you can either you know, feel comfortable within your own language, Um, possibly, you know, Spanish teachers have been the very first instructors where, you know, students felt comfortable, mostly uh, talking to them, connecting, they're the ones writing letters of recommendation for things. And, you know, French was good. But I mean, like, it could have, you know, you, you didn't get an informed decision of like, deciding, like, how this would benefit you personally, and especially, you know, thinking about your own purpose and your own, life choices, there's not much choice within your journeys, And so I think that's really interesting that like now as working professionals, like we have an opportunity to, you know, really try to inform the student of like, you know, you don't have, like anytime I meet with a student, it's not like you have to do this, because I think it's, you know, let me project on my dreams and hopes and my own experiences into this person is like really taking on each person's journey and deciding, well, this this option will lead you to this path, this option will lead you to this path. But ultimately, that decision is up to you. And I'm not going to force you into one thing or another, even if, you know, that that decision, I'm trying to make you the best one, quote, unquote, um, but not, you know, some every single person has their own kind of like, um, decision why they want to go through there, even if it, it's just a life lesson, right? It, even if it doesn't work out.
2: And it's interesting that you ended up getting your BA in Spanish and master's in Spanish. <laughs> How did that come about? Can you share a little bit more?
3: Yes, that's, that's a great, great question. Um, and continue to elaborate right on my finding my purpose, me sharing that story of like taking bilingual classes and being told you can't take Spanish because you already know Spanish. Majoring in those two uh, in Spanish and bachelor's and master's I would say it goes back to that experience because in high school I was always that student very quiet in class very shy but outside the classroom you can I wouldn't stop talking um, so I would say I was not comfortable in a classroom where the teacher did not understand me or um, I wouldn't even look at them in the eyes I remember this one white, um, um, white teacher was asking me hey like why can't you all, why can't y'all ever look at me in my eyes and I, I didn't know I just didn't know what to tell her and just like things like that like you know growing up my parents would tell me oh ¿me vas a los ojos? no like that's kind of like a, a sign of disrespect or whatnot so in Spanish classes were the classes where the, the professor or the teacher was speaking to me in Spanish they were Latinos um, and I was like oh you know everyone's talking Spanish here and for the most part everyone taking those classes were Latinos as well so I felt really comfortable like I was at home I was in high school and in community college, only two professors, Miss Mendez and, and Mrs. Vacaflor, professoras, who would tell me that I had potential for stuff. Like, hey, you should like you're really good at writing, you're good, really good at this, were my Spanish professors. Ellas dos uh, me dieron esa confianza. And I never thought about like, oh wow, like I actually can do this kind of stuff. Like I'm actually good at something other than just math. Um, and in my so again, the comfort, I felt the comfort there, I felt the love. And I'm like, you know what? I wanna be like them. They wouldn't just be my professor teaching me how to do like grammatica, how to do brujulas and how to write an essay, un ensayo, todo eso. But they were also professors who were, what we're doing, like what I do right now. They were advising me. They were guiding me to look at what's after Hartnell College. What do you wanna do? What is it that you wanna do? And like, I just had no idea. I just knew that I wanna be like them. So then transferring to San Jose State, being a Spanish major, I was another struggle, which obviously we can talk about as well, but um, the professors there, I did have a connection with them. I really um have like le doy muchas gracias a toda la ayuda que me dieron para tener they were uh from Spain, you know, eran españoles o nacidos aquí y con descendencia española y sí había conexión, pero no compared to like you know someone like that was kind of sharing my my experience. So my my Spanish again feeling the comfort zone there. So just is that idea of like finding a community, finding a safe space? that I couldn't really find throughout the other majors or so forth like that. Um, and yeah, like I did Spanish and I tell my students all the time, they're like, oh, I just don't know what major I want to do because what job am I going to get if I if I am a Chicano, Chicana studies uh, major or Latino, Latina studies major, like what do I do? And I'm like, I don't even know. You could do so many things. Like it's it's the possibilities and endless. Like, look at me, I'm a Spanish major. Am I teaching you Spanish? Of course not, like I'm advising, so it not, it doesn't always reflect on, on your on your degree. I know some jobs obviously, but it's also job experience and your passion. Like I'm doing this and I love doing this, like working with with students and, and yeah. So the Spanish, again, going back to, to that comfort zone, feeling, finding a space where I can be myself and not be told you can't speak Spanish, this is America type of thing, you know.
2: Did you have an idea of what you wanted to do with that Spanish degree? from your undergrad that made you want to go into a master's program pursuing that same degree
3: great question great question uh well at first like i mentioned i I was like okay i'm gonna be a professor like i i want to be in front of the classroom talk to students and advise them in my office hours and like helping them with with their majors as well but not necessarily teaching the language but like teaching classes in spanish about cultura about uh, so how to advocate for yourself or uh, important people who are Latinos here in the United States to make a difference like mujeres. I know we, growing up, all, like only folks that I knew that were that looked like me, who were famous were Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta. That's pretty much all I knew who, uh, that I was taught. And then in college, it was a little bit more like me looking for that type of uh, education, such as, such as what was called the Mexican-American studies minor and the Latino-American studies minor as well but yeah I thought I was going to be a professor and who knows maybe I will in the future I don't know right now I feel like my energy and my my mindset somewhere else is just continuing working with those students and then who knows yeah ya, ya I'll be a professor you know like a cool professor hopefully but yeah maybe maybe one day
2: Awesome. And then uh, San Jose State, how did you choose that school?
3: One of my values is family. So family has always been, is is everything to me. So me as selecting a university in high school, I was never taken to, hey, let's go check out uh, a campus, campus tours and and that kind of stuff. I don't know if I just didn't look for the opportunity or it was just not I didn't I was told and I just didn't care. I don't remember. I just only thing I remember from high school was going to my 11th grade senior uh, junior counselor, Mrs. Gray, uh, Senora Blanca, and asking her, she's like, is there anything else you need from me? Because she helped me pick my classes or she gave me my classes actually for senior year. It's not like I was given an option. And I asked her, yeah, um, I want to know like information about like really shy again, really shy talking to folks who were not look like me and me really shy asking her yeah I want to know like where how to like apply to universities and that kind of stuff right? like I, I just didn't even know how to ask and all she did was like oh yeah and she turns around picks up like a phone book type of like CSU uh, catalog I guess you can say and just gives me this this is everything you need is in here and then she basically waves at me and I so I leave with the big old phone book and I go home, and my mom me pregunta, oh, le preguntaste a tu consejera sobre la universidad. And I was like, oh yeah, sí le pregunté. And I, I didn't, I never opened it. I had it like there in my room. I didn't know what I was looking at if I even opened it. Like I didn't even know what, what a CSU was. Like, what's a CSU? I only knew that university was a university. universidad, uh, so that's all I knew. So no, um, I didn't know, so that's why I attended my community college. We'll be Salinas. Hartnell High School because everybody in Salinas ends up attending at least all the brown folks in Salinas end up attending that community college, so you end up seeing all your friends and that kind of stuff. But go on and being at the community college, like I mentioned earlier, the two professors, La Senora, Las Professoras, Professor Mendez y Vaca Flor, um, really nice uh, professors, they would tell me, You need to go talk to Mrs. Castillo. I'm like, Well, who's Mrs. Castillo? and she's like, es la- The transfer counselor is that tal oficina no se donde, and I was like, Oh, okay, okay, and no fui, no fui, but I took like three or four classes with them,
0: and then I finally went
3: after like my second year in community college because at first I was like, Not doing so hot. And I go to Mrs. Castillo and I sit there, right? And then, una señora, imagine una tia, una tia, cada quien tiene esta tia, la tia. Que todo mundo tiene miedo. Um so I have a tia like that. Um shout out to mi tia Raquel. I love her though. She's like that, you know, the hard, la señora fuerte que nothing like you respect, you know. I mean I always respect all our tías, but that one tia, you know, she talks to everyone stays quiet. So I get there and la señora me dice, "Siéntate." <laughs> it's okay. And then she's like este, ¿qué ocup? Like what do you need? In like, Spanish. Um well, uh, igual stuttering, no me puedo quiero saber like how to transfer to university. Where do you want to go? What's the closest to Salinas that's not Monterey? And then she's like, San Jose. I'm like, San Jose, yeah, San Jose sounds good. Yeah, I've been there, I've been to San Jose. I've never been to university, but I've been to San Jose. I didn't even know there was a university in San Jose. Yeah, maybe he said, okay, let's pull up your grades. So she, uh, and I was all, well, heck no, I didn't know this was going to be like that. I had really bad grades, except for my Spanish classes. So then she pulls up my my transcript and I and she looks at it and she's like ah okay mm hmm pues con estos grados mijo you gonna where does your dad work and I was like oh he works at a salad company he's a forklift driver and she's like okay pues con estos grados you're gonna be his co-worker pretty soon and I look at her right and I was like what the heck it was kind of like a slap in my face so when she tells me that I'm like wow like I don't let people talk to me like that like. Being from Salinas, uh, there's a certain way how you race there. There's a lot of gang activity and all that, all that kind of stuff. So I just make it callado, me de vergüenza. Again, una señora mayor, Latina, en mi familia, se respeta, una persona mayor. So no le dije nada, agaché la cabeza. And then after she told me, kind of like that slap in the face, she's like, this is what we're going to do. So then she kind of builds a plan, like an education plan with me after she me dijo de lo peor. Yeah, she uh, created a plan for me. Dijo, tienes que tomar todas clases así, 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 así. And every semester, I want you to come with me to see me twice a semester. And if you don't come, I'm going to go look for him. like, oh, no, no. <laughs> so then I, I would always go each semester. And I started slowly passing my classes. And that's how I ended up to San Jose State because she told Basically, because she told me. And when I got accepted to San Jose State, um, you know, gracias a Dios, me acuerdo que I had to go to orientation and... Again, like I had no idea where I was going. I was already twenty-one by then, and my parents didn't go with me because you know, yeah, grande todo hacer. So then I, I went, and, and I was like, wow. We can talk about that culture shock after, but that's how that's how I uh, ended up at San Jose State because of those las profesoras uh, or those professors y la consejera. So I always again another influence, I guess subconsciously that influenced me. Maybe you know what I want to be the blend of them too with my students today. I try to be a little bit of miss castillo but sometimes a fusion of miss mendez sometimes a little bit of miss vacaflor to be that nice but be keeping it real at the same time
0: it's interesting how you had to stay that tough love consejera like very old school version um which i mean doesn't help a lot for the newer you know generation where it's, it's a lot it's a very different dynamic but that's because, again, we're, we're from a different generation where we grew up with, you know, tías and, and theos and tías, like, with that kind of, you know, environment. But definitely, I think that has been, you know, a, a pretty common, like, a uh, pattern for a lot of boys of color and men of color where, you know, the lack of motivation or guidance is there because you're kind of caught in between where you're like the, the examples that you have in your life and the men in your life have had a whole different rea- like reality where you're now trying to build a career where it's more sitting office-like environment um, that especially if you're a consejero, like I think a lot of like the work that you do is a lot more, you know, mental health or, you know, you know also considering the feelings of the student and all that stuff, which is very dramatically a different culture shock within the profession and also the reality that we, where we grew up. Um, And the fact that a lot of, you know, the transition from, you know, community college and, and four year, I think there's a lack of transition, you know, conversations with our students where we are being not only real, but also trying to guide them a path where it's not just about, you know, letting them know, like, what is the, you know, what is the aftermath of choosing a school that maybe, you know, the the limitations based on your location or your place, because I've worked with some students from Salinas or the Salinas area, Monterey Bay and stuff like that. And they usually ended up even at Fresno State when I was working there previously with my master's, or now they're at San Jose State, which that's where I currently work at actually. And so it's been kind of like still mind boggling because as a first gen professional, I would have thought that these professionals would have some things you know, set for us, but they really do not. So now being on the other side, where as a working professional, you know, working with a lot of transfer students and letting them know like, and trying to advocate with my workspace, I'm like, we need to build a lot more curriculum and support for transfer students, just because we have a better success in in GPA and graduation does not reflect that they're being successful or doing really well in their, uh, once they transfer, right? Um, The first semester, obviously, there's a drop in GPA that's pretty common for a lot of transfer students just, you know, being stuck with picking classes last minute, you know, all that stuff, but I just was kind of surprised that San Jose State being so old, you know, they're the oldest CSU and they really do not have a lot of things set up for, especially our students of color and especially even more so Students of color who are their first in their families to go to college and really are just hoping that their advisors are the ones that are going to, you know, hand them off or guide them through their new phase in their lives. So, tell us about what San Jose State like what that experience has been and any advice that you would give for students, you know, because then you know, in or they they are finding themselves having to transfer um, at a at a new four year school.
3: Yeah, I am. Um... That's awesome you work at San Jose State, actually. Um, I always, I mean, I have my experience, obviously, at San Jose State. As an undergrad, as a master's student, and as a professional, I got to work there as well. And so I have my, you know, my stories to to share, which, but I think at the end of the day, I'm, you know, again, like, I'm always gonna be grateful to what San Jose provided to me. Um, like every, every, that's I think that's the path that we, as first-gen professionals and first-gen uh, students, we always need to be. Uh, we always are like very grateful for those that really helped us along the way. At least I am, and I think as advice for my students, not that they should be grateful for me, right? Like, just like as as you as you grow in life, like va a haber gente que te va ayudar, va a haber gente que te una puerta, y al final cuentas, like we we need to uh, take those experiences and um, and just continue growing porque that network opportunity like us right now collaborating I think like this is super awesome and like we're going to find those people along the way whether it's in community college whether it's in high school whether it's in college whether it's after college um, it's like keeping those people as, as a as a support system and you know I'm, I'm really blessed to to have had that those see the importance of that at San Jose State Porque, como les digo, maybe I would have taken a little bit of like not as important when I was in Hartnell. I was like, oh, yeah, because yeah. I was obviously a little younger, um, starting 17 in community college. But San Jose State, when you mentioned that, San Jose State, like, yeah, is the oldest campus. Now they're all like, like, it's hardly any grass areas now, because ya están siendo muchos edificios nuevos y So It's nice, obviously. But uh, being a student there, I agree with you. The transfer system uh, or that to adapt the student as a brand new transfer student in San Jose State. And I don't know about the other CSU, but at least the San Jose State one, because that's a, my own experience has been, uh, or was like, probably not the best. Um, I don't know if it's still not the best, but uh, it's it was definitely a culture shock. Uh, definitely a culture shock. Like when I, I was there, I was living in the dorms. I had, again, I didn't know anybody at, at San Jose State. And I was like, oh, well, people want to go to universities, They, they live in the dorms, no? You know, so apartment or whatever. so. Yeah, like living in the dorms, living with fraternity guys who uh white guys. And I was like, oh what? this is kind of like is a, oh okay, you know. And so yeah, like it was just you have your, here's your schedule, I'm your advisor. Buena suerte, basically. I was like, bueno, okay. So the day before, you know, just where where is Clark Hall? Like I had no idea. I'm just walking around campus, like hundred degrees out there, like Sudando and Salinas, it's like really fresh, like I said. So like I'm like, where is this? Like the weather that was a shock and then like the first day of class i had never seen so many people i thought i was like in La pulga or something like why is there so many people walking on campus who are these people like how come when i moved in there was like no one here so going to class seeing the curriculum uh just walking from class to to my dorm it that first semester i didn't do so bad i mean i, I passed all my classes but i didn't know what it was to be a university student i was just feeling like i was still in community college but Somewhere else that I had never been ever in, in my life, and every weekend I would just go back home, and I think that's the reflection of a lot of uh, first gen students who have to move away from home, uh, suffering esa homesickness, especially if you, at least in the Latinx community, uh, we're so tied to our family, and a veces muchos de nosotros sufrimos cuando nos sacan de ese again that comfort zone and put us put, put us out there in a place where we have to kind of like. Outside of our box it's difficult, but it was difficult. But my second semester, which we can talk about in Rodita, was because that was a spring transfer. That's a spring transfer. They had, you know, like in the fall, they had like all these welcome events, like oh, like all these events, like welcome to San Jose State. Oh, it's nice. Thank you. All these flyers giving to you all this free food free gear. But in the spring no, nada. so it's just like it's just like that but yeah, this semester it was not the, the best or not not the, the easiest to adapt to, to something new.
2: Yeah, I think this often happens, this long this uh, nostalgia and being um, homesick and wanting to go home every weekend. I've noticed or observed that this often happens with people who are really close to their families. Um, I, as a as a first gen, as the oldest in my family of five, um, as a DACA recipient, as all these things, and my parents not being able to help me actually fortified my understanding and independence. So that was something that my dad always encouraged me to do. Me enseñó a manejar standard, because he didn't want me to depend on anyone if I ever found myself, you know, having to drive one of those cars. So. I think um, being the first one in my family, and not that I'm not close to my family, but I'm, I have a, a good relationship where it's, there's a good balance, right? And so for me, when I attended Santa Rosa Junior College, it wasn't because I didn't want to leave home. It was more like out of convenience and out of um, trying to figure out what I really wanted to do, which actually helped me. And so I completed that in two years, and I think, Patricia, you were going to share something about this, about the pressure that people have in completing their community college or getting out of school in four years, that pressure to get in and out. Um, Fortunately, I, you know was eligible to enter college college level English and math. And I, I had a good guidance. I had a good counselor and I had my uncle guiding me with the required classes and not to waste time on all these other <laughs> classes that I can always come back and take, you know, swimming. I can always come back and take something else, uh, which I did. And then when I went to Sonoma State uh, for my undergrad to finish my last two years, um, again, I didn't go there because I wanted to. It was just, again, my dad's like, no materia tu lo que quieres estudiar, and I'm like, Ugh, well, yeah, I do, um, and it was affordable, so I had, I was fortunate that my scholarships cov- cover that, but to your point about moving away from home, I just want to make sure that we, we're not reinforcing that fear with our audience, right, um, because it is, it is challenging, but I, I also see it as an opportunity for growth, right, and it's, I think for me, looking back, I wish I had gone straight to a four-year institution and had that college experience, right? (laughs) Um, But I didn't have that until I went to get my master's on the East Coast, right? Uh, And it was challenging, but I was an older student at that point, and so I was able to manage. So I feel like everyone's situation is different. If I could do it again, maybe I would do the same thing because I found amazing people at the community college. I actually wanted to stay there. Um, and wish it was a four-year institution because La Cultura, the, 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 just the rapport, just the welcoming environment was a lot, was the opposite to what I experienced at Sonoma State, which is predominantly a white institution, 60%, if not more uh, white students. And it was more alienating to your point about when you transferred, right? And it wasn't nothing he asked, you know, the welcoming events that you would have experienced if you had transferred in the fall. I also didn't have that, but I guess it's due to budget constraints that they had. I honestly was supposed to go to the English department for my orientation, and it was just going to a classroom and hearing from the department chair. But instead, I went to the sociology department and asked to switch my major, which was the best decision I made. But Bati, do you have anything to add?
0: Yeah, I think it's important to like also just keep in mind that spring transfers, if you are in that position to transfer, it's just like definitely not the best circumstances just because it is a little like it's a lot rough. It's rough already to transition as a transfer student to a four year and kind of feel I think the common thing is like feeling that everybody just had the head start of like getting to know each other in your department. You're kind of still figuring out like who's who. Some of these people like already had built these relationships since their first year. Um, if they even stayed in the same major, it's, it, you know, every single story is kind of a little bit different, but this is pretty common for transfers. And then the, the spring transfers are just get the worst just because it's like in the middle of the semester, everyone has already transferred or like gotten their classes. Um, again, the welcoming and the transition programming is definitely different. I think one of the good things that, you know, my department is doing, I'm in the College of Social Science. so. We're actually now doing mandatory transfer advising and things like that. So it's like if you know you feel like you're not transitioning well or your your experience is not well, I think it's connecting to the right people, regardless of what college you go to. Um, I'm pretty sure there's some someone out there that you know can help you, regardless if it's in your department or not. Um, and I think that's the hardest part of the transition is feeling that you can't see yourself reflected in a all of these places. The campus culture is super, super drastically different. I mean, I went to Sonoma State where, same as Ariana, like, everyone in my classes had a MacBook, everyone had, you know, spring break vacations to go, like, it's just wildly different from, like, our actual reality, where now as a professional, I get to normalize a lot of these things where I don't have to bring in shame of, like, the fact that you're having a challenging time getting even a laptop, I think right now, virtually, it's a little bit different, because it's now required. And, you know, parents don't understand that kind of thing, where you do have to invest in these big, you know, purchases of tech, because a lot of the software and things like that are required that, you know, certain laptops won't allow it. And we can transition now to the next topic about family expectations and boundaries, and especially looking at first-gen students where I think the biggest I just seen like this huge trend of a lot of this new Gen Z uh, students kind of figuring out through tech that they're having the same dad that they have the same dad and we're having these like conflicts and that you know this whole idea that you know Latinx people have or even other students of color have this um Really strong relationship with the family, but I'm like, it could be a strong relationship, but you can also still fear your parents. You can still, you know, not have a very good, you know, intimate connection where you feel comfortable saying something without getting in trouble. The fact that a ton of, you know, students are recording now that they were fearing, like once we went to virtually, that they wouldn't be able to concentrate in the classroom because of all these noise in the background. Um, parents feeling very comfortable yelling at them, you know, like, every single one of us has, like, a different kind of relationship with family, but, like, things flying out in the thing, you know, because you're not paying attention, like, you know, these kids are fearing their family more than anything, and I think it's changing the conversation about what parenting is, And, and I follow, again, how I mentioned before, Latinx parenting, which has brought up some really interesting conversations where it has actually changed my whole perspective of my relationship with my family because you have an opportunity to reparent yourself and a lot of reparenting stuff um, and a lot more people accessing you know therapy or mental health or, or understanding that that's not normal like emotional manipulation is not okay you know like and how does that happen within our families and having open conversations about that and so you know this common thread especially for immigrants and, you know, the common thread of, like, Latinx, immigrants, and then first gen, um, especially if you're coming from a low-income family where your family had had to relocate to the U.S. because of, you know, economic circumstances. I think it's this common thread of, like, doing things because of our family sacrifice. And I'm like, that's such a noble, beautiful thing that, you know, we have in our, in, you know, in our subconscious where we want to, you know, give back to the community, pay it forward. Uh, We want things to be different. Like, I think the common thread is like that, like we don't want people, nuestra propia gente pasar las mismas cosas que nosotros pasamos. And and that's like beautiful. And I think that the thing that doesn't get, you know, helpful is um, now that, you know, I've learned a lot more of like healthy relationships and gratitude and also thinking about recognizing unhelpful and helpful thoughts. So there's this huge, like things that go viral online is like, you know, when are the families end up buying a home for their parents and everybody's like, oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. Like, yo quiero, you know, pagarle un carro a mi familia because they went into the, like, it's like this goes into this poverty story of like, you know, my family had to go take the bus, see, you you know, all these things. But it's also reflecting about this need of like, why do we need to, you know, this obedience, you know, children thing that we have in our families where the children have to be obedient or else, you know, this fear thing, like if you don't do things to please your parents, then you're a bad child. Um, the families are the saying like, if you don't respect your family, then you're a bad child. Like it is, it's a very binary, like good and bad children. This is what they do. Good children buy their parents' homes. Good children are their retirement. Good children are supposed to serve their parents. And when you go and think about, you know, the U.S. relationship, it kind of flips around ways like that. It's really, I mean, I've seen TikTok virals where this white girl, this white woman was talking about, why do you listen to your parents? Just say no, and that you don't need to ask for permission. And all these students of color stitched that uh, that TikTok and were like, yeah, that's not going to happen with my parents. Like, you know, I'm not going to be able to avisarles. I have to ask for permission, you know, to go to do things, even if I'm 30, 40, you know, 20, that doesn't change. Right. And so I think it's this grappling, like new generation of, you know, changing kind of like the family expectations where it centers you, where you don't feel like you have to buy a home or be the retirement. And I think that gets really unhealthy, especially when I'm working with students where they're putting so much sacrifice to give to their parents that they don't even know how to think about themselves. You know, ultimately I have to remind students like any degree and anything that you're doing has to center yourself because guess what? Your parents can be out of the picture, but then what do you have? A life that lives, you know, this projection of what your parents want for you, that you're unhappy. Like when it comes to doing that stuff, like working yourself, you know, working your ass off, to buy your parents home because you're seeing everybody else doing it and then you're unhappy because your relationship with your family hasn't been addressed and you feel resentment you know I think that gets really unhealthy where it's like it's not black and white and I'm like if you want to go buy your family at home great but then you have parents that are hella resentful and they're always talking you know terribly or you know feeling terribly about their parents I'm like that's not healthy you know like if you're going to resent them and that's really not the purpose so Tell us about you know, uh, I mean, like, what have you seen like in parents and anything that you can like talk about? You know, what we just discussed about family expectations and boundaries.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, first, uh, I would like to acknowledge uh, Ariana. Like, I really appreciate you mentioning how um, this idea of like this feeling of homesickness and fear as uh, a transfer or going somewhere that it it's okay to feel in. It it's like. It, it's not like oh oh my god like I don't want to transfer now because I'm gonna experience this no of course not right like, I I think it's it's not always a bad thing like like you meant like those experiences help me grow help me you know what well, like I need to feel comfortable being independent and like con, uh, be confident in like going into an office or going to the professor and like finding my space eh? so like I really appreciate you mentioning that it because it's la, la verdad no tenemos que siempre estar viviendo en, en, en miedo. Vamos a tener tener experiencias donde nos va a ayudar a crecer y eso es una de ellas, no estar en lugares posiblemente solos without the the protection of the parents, no? And second, uh, shout out to the 707. My wife's actually from from Windsor, so I've definitely been Santa Rosa and all the other areas. And someone once told me, hey, uh, once you got married with uh, a Windsorian, so you're gonna end up working at uh, Sonoma State or or, uh, Santa Rosa Junior College. And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) So um, just wanted to just say that. And, but yeah, but family, Hmm. this is a big one. This is possibly the one this es la pregunta de la, la que, como les dije al principio, the value, my value is family. So the family topic is huge. Porque it's difficult because I agree with everything you were saying, how, I mean, I wish I had the money, right, to buy my parents a house, or I wish I can send them to Italy or to go explore the world, cosas que yo pensando, bueno, like they gave me everything, no? They gave me all these opportunities, they worked. They didn't like one time my dad told me, like, I came to this country and I have nothing. Um, It was just like a year ago. And I told him, like, hearing him talk that way, I was like, it made me feel like, damn, you know, like, what can I do to give him something so he can not uh, feel this way? And I don't have, I don't have it. I I don't have an answer. I don't know if I'll be able to ever give him something material wise for him to feel different like we still drive cars that are probably like 20 years old and like my parents do oh no wait hold up they bought one they bought one recently but they they still have the two other cars that are I mean I grew up with <laughs> I grew up in like going to high school like no lo dejan like no so like this idea of like me feeling this responsibility because I'm the one with the degrees to be there and be the savior of not just my parents but like everybody else um, it's tough it's definitely tough and it's really hard for me to say I'm not going to do that, because it's in my DNA. My mom would always tell me, si, si no le vas a dar a tu mamá, no le quites. Like this this idea of like always giving back to the family. And it's hard. It's hard to, to try to like um, remove myself from that. But I think it's very valuable to also think for yourself. ¿no? Yo le digo a mi esposa a veces, like, damn, you know, like I have all these plans that I would want to do. Um, you know, like my family, obviously for us, like we still rent um, this place. is like, We've been here for like I don't know, I think eight years, eight plus years. And um, as like college students, we were living here. in a little, little small place. Have you ever seen it? It looks like a lighthouse, but um, I just I don't know. It's it's hard, and I think my advice for folks is like, yes, the best thing you can do for your family is 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 like yeah. Obviously, we want to give them a house or we want to buy them a car. Pero con que tú estés feliz y que ellos puedan ver que tú feliz, and you're trying to be someone uh, in a career that you feel happy and like you you f- like find that passion that's su- hopefully finding success like I think that's all they wanted you know what I mean like like I, I've reflected on it many times and what I told my dad that day when he was telling me that on oh, my birthday actually um I told him because we on, on the sala in la casa tenemos una pared con like the degrees of like everybody like my degrees and my brothers and whatnot and I told him, Yo no, tú. And it was very powerful. It was a very powerful moment between him and I, like growing up as men, as like Latino men. It's uh, it's hard. It's hard because there's that trauma of like not being able to communicate with your parents in a certain way. So just doing things for them demonstrates that love. You know, demonstrates like, like I care for you. And not being able to do that is kind of saying for me, oh, no los quiero, you know? So it's hard, like I said, it's a really tough conversation, but when you're in college, these family pressures of going back home for someone's birthday or picking a degree that's gonna satisfy their, their expectations or let's say you're not the first one to go to college because you have an older sibling who, who who went to college, having to be always like that one person who already has a degree. Those comparisons, si va pasan en la And la, my advice that I provide to parents, because I do do presentations to parents, middle school parents and high school parents, is they go, si usted tiene un, un hijo una hija que ya está en la universidad o oh, tiene más de un hijo una hija que, está un, que están chiquitos the biggest advice i can provide to you le digo es no los comparen no comparen a sus hijos o sus hijas porque cada quien es un mundo y cada quien va a ser es es único y es y eso es especial uh, amen a sus hijos escúchenlos denles la oportunidad de ellos que hablen y que tengan su propia voz again something that i feel like i would i missed out growing up to my junior college teacher to that math teacher who told me how come i can look at her in my in her eyes to those professors in, in Spanish in in community college, while I was at San Jose State and not knowing where to go because I was lost, is that feeling because I didn't I didn't feel confident to speak up or to have my own the importance of my own voice because as growing up that trauma that I experienced of caete porque yo estoy hablando, caete porque yo soy el adulto. Tu tienes que, tu, you need to follow. You need to have show respect and other other things. I was like so I love my parents, but you know there was you know this, this things that were growing that we're experiencing as parents. Like I don't judge them for it, and I know there's people that say, "Oh no, okay, no, like I think as people, we we we're not perfect. We're gonna make mistakes, and like yo quiero mucho mis papás y y agradecido por todo. Pero it's my chance, it's my opportunity now to to make those differences as a man, as a Latino man. I need to change those machismo, patriarchal idea ideals and traumas that, that I have still that I need. I want to be better and. Como le digo yo, uh, when I was telling you a little bit earlier, it's time for me to be selfish this year, 2021. You know, I think there's going to be changes in my life this year, career-wise. Hopefully, todo va bien. Um, but I want to continue exploring that part, the Latino trauma and family. Porque, um, como les dije, when I told Cristina from Latino with Masters earlier this week, I think that if if, if men in the Latino community were been reflecting a lot, at least I have been reflecting a lot this year about where, where do we stand with like anti-blackness and colorism and like uh, el, el femicidio and like the struggles with like the sufrimiento que sufre la mujer in, uh, in Mexico, aquí los latinos, etc. It's because men don't change. La mujer ya está. It, 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 I'm happy that they're like, like all these powerful women, like I, all these women that I follow, Latina women who I follow on social media, so like that are doing this kind of work, like us. So pura mujer. Like I, I'm still trying to find. A Latino man. I'm like, where are you guys at? <laughs> um, and I know that this field that, that I'm in, is like, uh, casi no hay tanto a Latino uh, men in, in this field, but I, I just seen, I'm like, wow, like, all my season two Find Your Purpose va a ser con latina, mujer latina. Uh, and I was telling my wife, hey, no te vas a enojar, But <laughs> it, it was, it's just like, this is how amazing it is to find the empowerment de la mujer latina y si el hombre there's que queremos cambiar, que en esta sociedad, en en cultura, trauma of like oh es que si no cállate porque yo estoy hablando or this, or that, like, feel like we're better than them now where no no así so hell yeah like the family thing it's tough but that's what I tell parents don't compare your your son or daughter or your, or your students don't compare them listen to them and, and Reinforce their voice. Like they have, they also have a voice. Not that some malagradecidos or some groseros. Simply, they're also personas and they have a voice, and you have to listen to So that's kind of like what I what I kind of provide for for parents or for my students. It's tough to kind of go against your parents. It's like, oh, si yo, I have a, a student who was telling me that she didn't go to university she got it because she because her papa didn't want her to go. To no estás lista, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we've heard it, right, many times. At least I've heard it from like different colleagues or my own wife or like my students. And it's hard for me to, to sometimes advise those students because I've always was considered for my family the rebel. <laughs> El rebelde, de que tu me, little, because I would say la novela. No me puso rebelde, pero, um, I, it's hard for me to connect with my female students like that because I am I, I don't share that, uh, you know, you know, so, you know, fui mujer. you know, I Latina, Mujer Latina in, in La Casa, or oh, I meant uh, have, I've seen, but I did experiences experience it. so It's hard for me to tell them, no, But well, you should tell your dad and this and that, blah, blah, blah. It's hard. So like for, for the students, I, I just think like, have a, you don't have the communication with your parents. Like I didn't have the communication. Like we don't, to this day go, I don't go up to them and tell them like, hey, I love you guys. You know, it's, it's, it's really hard. Because we don't, we're not like that. But with the way that I've improved my relationship with my parents and for the advice of my students, like find a way, like if, if you can't say verbally to them, like write them a letter, you know, escribirle una carta. I know it's very old school, right? Like, oh, hey, I got a letter from someone, but just send them a letter. Uh, I'm not saying an email. I think a letter is much more special. Just give them a letter and you know, you know, like your parents love you, but they're just scared. You know, they're just scared to let you go. Just like I was scared to, to go to San Jose State. They were scared too, but I was a guy, you know, so I so I just think like the communication with parents and expectations, it's a tough one. but um, Ariana, it's a really tough one. It goes deep. It goes really deep.
0: And ultimately, it's like any you know, student that is in that position, because I've seen a ton of people that you know, um kind of like the the TikTok that I sent you all about the first gen student feeling pressured to apply to grad school. Like even like if you're in high school, barely deciding what college you're gonna go after. If you're in that track, like in that mindset of like, I, I wanna go to this college, I can't. Um, I think it's ultimately understanding or even empowering students to know like, ahora que you know son adultos, it's like a whole different ball game. And I think that's the transition that's hard for students. But I think that is your rite of passage is like, those moments where you will be going against what your parents think and you having to really think it through and say, is this what you really want? Or is this what you're trying to appease your parents? Because there also is a balance where it's like, if you're counting on, you know, this is where it gets kind of like murky and like the gray area where if you're counting on your parents to provide you financially, that could be very difficult. You know, that conversation where it's like, yeah, you would wish was so like, oh, you know, screw my parents, you know, vamanos. Um, but that might not be easy, an easy conversation depending on what the circumstances for the student. And I think that's when it gets hard, where it's like, yeah, a lot of advisors would just say, like, screw it, you know, haz lo que quieras, but it's not as simple as that because you have to also consider everyone in your family and your circumstances and yourself ultimately. Because if you're counting on, you know, the help or if you're providing or helping with your family, it's not as easy to say, like, pues hay que se dejen, you know, y, y no me importan. Um, and and it's also like how do you hold them accountable when you're barely starting to learn? Like, oh, if I lived in an environment where I couldn't say anything, um, especially for you know our young girls of color, where it's very very difficult to be the person to like go against things. Um, I grew up always saying against things, so it wasn't very different, you know. But my parents' dynamic was a little bit challenging. Even then, I still have you know butt heads with them all the time. But um, I think now as an adult. And as a professional it's getting easier and easier to say no to them you know and, and if you're in that circumstance like you know try to pick your battles at that stage if you're in grad school you know being pressured to apply to grad school i think that's where you really have to think about if no one it, and really think about what you personally feel like and and you know tap into your intuition i think that's what will help you kind of decide that if you don't have that much autonomy now. I think it's, it doesn't mean that you can't have it in the future, you know, and the same most of us choosing college is mostly through cost, through what our parents need, um, us having to go home every weekend. Now it's your home, but doing school, that's tough too, um, if you didn't have to go away. Um, but it's like trying to, you know, create boundaries and expectations will vary depending on your phase. And just know that if you don't start early, it's going to get tougher the longer and longer you go of like really expressing yourself and knowing that yeah your parents I mean my dad never really was very open about his own feelings um I only have sisters so you know we talked about our feelings but he's still not you know like even in a house full of women it's he's still not very open of like really communicating what he wants and what he needs and and you know his story which at some point I decided I'm like I'm gonna tell you my feelings if you don't like him Pues ya que, yo no vivo contigo. but that's, again, I'm not financially dependent on him, you know, and, and, you know, think about yourself in your own journey. It will change your relationship. And especially if you grew up like calladita, you know, because that's what they told you. I think it's growing up in your own voice and even men of color, you know, I was helping that one student do their, your statement of purpose. And I had to like, really like tell him, well, if you're going to be a counselor, you know, you have to be open to like thinking about this, you know, this space where you can relate to about a lot of men of color not wanting to open it up and like talk about a lot of these things, right? How you know we're gonna change the dynamic of like not working manual labor, how are you going to start being an intellectual? Like, how are you gonna be, you know, maybe a future researcher? Like, how is that gonna change your patterns of the environment? You can't escape it, you're gonna have to have that conversation. And most of us, the same way, most of us, sis. Latinas are not going to be able to help you in that conversation because I'm like we're not perceived in that way like I don't know what kind of pressures are in that space right
3: no it's very true it's very true and um when you mention like those the students like when your your student that you're mentioning like I I have the the honor to work with uh, students from San Jose and from San Francisco and uh, a lot of first a lot of first generations uh definitely students of um, different backgrounds, like Latinx, um, Black, uh, Asian, Asian-American, and etc. And it's it's always uh, an awesome, like I tell my students, hey, like when we're talking about like finding your purpose, like what major, um, I tell them, hey, look, I don't know, like wh- wh- what do you like to do? Because they're they're like, they feel that family expectation of like, oh, I need to do nursing, engineering, or business. Like those are like the, the top ones. Like I need to do this, and I'm like, oh, okay. Like my one of my students, like, yeah, I want to be electrical engineer. Awesome. What math did you take in high school? And he's like, oh, well, I took algebra. Oh, sweet. Um, Do you like math? And they're like. No, I hate it. <laughs> then I think we're in the wrong major, man. So, um, and, or like a student who wants to do nursing, because right? like, they, they don't like science or they, it's just like not a thing. Like, why do you, why is it that you want to do this? Oh, it's cause I want to help people. Ah, you want to help people. Helping people is not just nursing. Like, I mean, that, no, no, no hard feeling, like no, I'm not throwing shade to, to nursing majors, but there's just like students are, uh, how I was too in high school, being told like electrical or engineering was the way to find success and my students i tell them no like it's it's what you it's hard to tell you this is the way to find your why find your purpose or your major etc your passion like you need to explore what kind of person you are and what do you like like what do you like like do you like building things do you like working with people do you feel like you're more like a uh, on your own type of thing like wh- who are you so it's just really exploring the type of person who you are and i tell them like take some classes slowly and slowly you'll start seeing put yourself out there get involved hopefully on campus if you have the opportunity a lot of my students work um and and they don't have that that fully college experience uh, as, as potentially others who don't have the need to work because they get a lot of financial aid etc and um it's it's a it's definitely every person has their own story you know and like I always like to tell my students like in a first meeting like okay like they're they're trying to talk about like their classes right and the first 30 minutes we're just like we're just talking and then like they they tell me like oh okay yeah and then and i'm like hey like this you know why we're doing this and they're like no why because i want to know who you are like i can't tell you take these classes if i don't know who you are like i can i can just easily build your schedule based on your you don't have to meet with me, you just send me your, your student ID and I'll just do it for you. But I want to know who you are. What's the story behind this student? Because I always like before students are people and I want to know who, who they are. And I want you to know who I am. I want you to feel comfortable with me. Because, like, in case like they're going through something, they'll feel the comfort to just be able to shoot me a text, send me a message on Instagram, see me an email or whatnot. No, and, like I think that's the power that as educators we have to um, not tell them what to do is necessarily. But providing them the opportunities. Here, here are your options. What do you like? What do you feel like? And there's no right wrong, and there's no right or wrong answer. And at the same time, I'm not here to judge you. Like if you tell me I don't, I want to take the semester off. Why? Oh, because X, Y, and Z. Cool. You know what? What's what's going to happen after? Like, what do you what do you want to do after? So it's more of like I want my students, and like for anyone else listening, like your decisions are yours. You know, and and own them. Be Okay, I made this decision because I wanted to make this decision, not because I, I had to. And sometimes I know you'll have to, and it's understanding because life's going to happen. Like I tell my students, like, yeah, when you go to college, like you're applying, you see all the brochures and like everyone's smiling, holding the books, looking at each other, this and that. Like they're just posing because that's not real life. Life happens when you're in college, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's just, Así es la vida. you know, right now, like we... Spring of 2020, everyone was like, Yeah, you know, a new decade or whatnot, like, yeah, the 20. And then look what happened. You know, like life happened, and boom, all of us are estamos ahorita. And um things are gonna happen like that. But it's just like as as my role in this in what I do, and even if it's in this organization that I work in or not, is exactly that. That's like my passion is the student. If I have a role or I'm my job takes me away from being with the student. And I'm like, ya no quiero, ya no es para you know." Um, so yeah, eso, eso es muy importante, Lisa, what I think from the edu- educators, that sometimes I found here and there some folks who, who actually cared like that and some folks who were just doing their job. And it's totally understanding, but maybe that's why I didn't connect with you.
0: And that's why you know a ton of people, if you really don't see the full vision or the purpose, I think that's when it gets really hard to do your job really well, um, and that's why we're having, you know, counselors, advisors, teachers, anybody who is in contact with these students, like who are not inspiring them to like be their best selves and also be their best professional self, where you're not just meeting the criteria, but you're like going above and beyond, you know, your role. And como les digo, a muchos estudiantes, like a lot of them actually have really great visions and really great purposes. It's just that they're scared to like learn the hard skills, which is like not really hard. Like that one's the easiest part. Like I think hard skills and soft skills are flipped where I think soft skills are really hard to teach people um, because you have to really know, you know, how to interact with people, how to like do small talk, how to, you know, engage, build rapport. I think we have that very quickly. Like a lot of us have this like sense of like we can network really well. We can have great conversations if we get paired with people. but la cosa most difficult is, you know, which, you know, it's just getting hurdle over, but it's like, you'll learn how to write emails. You'll learn how to, you know, the, the policies of each place, workplace, which you'll eventually have an orientation of it anyway. You know, I think that's the harder part is like making sure that the person has a vision because I have seen too many people, too many professionals not have a vision. Their employees below them have it, but they're always stopping them from actually putting it together because it's not their vision, you know, so it's just like really differentiating and coming into your own, which is a little bit more, more challenging when you're getting, you know, all this feedback from everybody that that's not how you're supposed to do it, you know, and especially if people are feeling out of their places because, you know, you haven't seen yourself reflected in, you know, people who are change makers, you know, in their space.
3: You, um, I, I like that you mentioned that like sometimes people in power um, don't have a, a vision, like you said, and uh, the folks do. So um, taking it back to San Jose State, uh, while I was working there, I was working at the I don't know if I should say the name. Ah, who was? Let's do it. Student involvement Office um, at San Jose State. So I was a, a fraternity and sorority uh, advisor, student engagement coordinator is what they called it. So I got the chance to work with. Um, the IFC fraternities, the intra-fraternal uh, council, and um, also an, at some point in, with the United and Fraternity Council, so the multicultural Greeks. Um, and also was in charge of like the the la- cultural and, what they call it, cultural organizations, cultural and religious organizations. Point is that in that and, and working there, like I feel like, yeah, like we would do programming, um, but I was brand new, but I would hear like, kind of like that struggle that you're saying that, Folks had a lot of great ideas, but it was more of like, well, that's not kind of what we do here. Like we always, we always do this, and let's continue doing this, like the same thing year after year after year. I'm like, where is opportunity for change, not like creativity and whatnot? And the organization that I work now, um, I think we're slowly transitioning into adapting. Uh, well, we have adapted and transitioned into being more of like creative and allowing each team member to provide something a project or whatnot that they're passionate about you know I have teammates who are doing workshops on HBCUs um, I have another teammate who's like really passionate about a podcast so she's like doing a podcast for for our students like uh, hopefully inviting students to participate to share their stories and like and whatnot um, and I'm obviously doing the Instagram lives uh, or YouTube stuff the find your purpose is kind of like my own thing but like I I've slowly started doing as well for the the work, like their Instagram page. Started doing some of those as well. So like being ve- like you mentioned TikTok, I think that especially what I told them, during this pandemic, what the pandemic has taught us, like edu- the people in education in academia is the power of social media. And at least it has to me. Um, and I, I've been telling my teammates all the time. I think this pandemic has t- shown us that we can be doing the work very, the antiquated antiquated work of like, oh yeah, like let's meet them in person. Like if that's the only way, and I'm like, no, that's not the only way we can still provide resources. We can still inspire students, motivate them or provide them with opportunities, scholarships or whatnot via um, not necessarily having to be in front of them or in being in, in, like in a Zoom meeting. We can do these things via social media like I said, like Reels, Instagram Reels, we can do, you know, I don't know if everyone will be down for TikTok, but Reels is kind of the same, no? And then like, you know, using our, our social media platforms in, in, a, in different platforms, not necessarily, like, I know that not all our students are on Instagram, but for those that are, they'll be able to, to uh, use those resources there and just have a website, use YouTube, and just being a way to still deliver the message to our students and just being creative. So that vision, like you said, I think it's super awesome to have a, a a boss or a director who believes in 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 the ideas of the people that who work for them. And if nothing, like I always tell my supervisor, like if I, I've been working here as long as I've been working here because every year has looked different and I've been able to do something different and be able to provide bring something that I'm curious to do or excited to do. Like if I would be doing the same job, the second year, the same thing, <laughs> I know demos because I'm not growing. I'm not being creative. I'm not, if my ideas, I'm not saying they're all perfect, but hey, let me just try this out. Let me meet my students via, you know, this or whatever. And I think that's that's super um, awesome to have a, a director like that or folks that believe in that. And um, so, yeah.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, I saw one of your ep- one of your podcast episodes where you were sharing or interviewing um Women in higher ed, and I thought that it's a great way to reach students, right? Because oftentimes we repeat the same messages and or answer the same questions. So that was great that you that you're doing that, um, and that you joined us today for this this episode. Um, it's always great to have the male perspective into maneuvering higher education, and also um, hearing from you and your journey and and the work that brings you passion, right? And so with that, we conclude this episode. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time.
1: For this week's BIPOC business shout out, we would like to highlight Esa Bruja Aranda, at etsy.com you can find them and they're beautiful jewelry that comes in different shapes and sizes there's some mini tequila and lime earrings there's also some um, heart-shaped earrings clips uh, face masks made out of um, the design of a strawberry or strawberries and other type of artwork they also support Black Lives Matter by creating these Black Fists earrings. That um, by purchasing them, all the, the profit will be going towards uh, various bailout funds across the U.S. in the name of the advancement of the BLM movement. So check them out at Etsy.com and search for Esa Bruja Aranda. Thank you. For all of our listeners, you can email us at chicanacodeswitchers at gmail.com and send us your POC, business, conference, and event shoutouts and listener letters. You could also record a listener message on Anchor app, and that way we can include your recorded message in our future episodes. Follow us on Instagram at chicanacodeswitchers and on Twitter at xcodeswitchers. If you would like to support this podcast, you can Venmo or cash app us at Chicana code Switchers, and or become a Patreon contributor. Thank you. And don't forget,
2: switch the code. Don't let the code switch you.